It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. We are so glad to have you with us. Thanks for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, your host and financial advisor, along with my colleagues and fellow financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest financial surprises uh, in 2016, other than Brexit, by the way, (laughs) uh, has been the fact that mortgage rates have suddenly dropped on us. And, um, you know, these are probably uh, as close or getting real close to the lowest rates that we've seen in a long, long time, going back all the way to 2012, 2013. And... um, it's kind of causing us to beg the question, what should people be doing right now to take advantage of these low rates? And for some of you, uh, the, the decision to refinance could be the, the most wise step that you take right now in your financial life to improve your financial life. So today we're going to be talking about what you need to consider when you're deciding whether the time is right for you to refinance. Hey folks, we've launched a new website or updated website. You can still go to wisemoneyradio.com, but it's got a facelift now. So come check it out. You can even listen to previous episodes right there on the site. Uh, By the way, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes as well. But uh, yeah, if you have a question, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574-222-2000. I would also, we're doing some housekeeping. I'd also point you to the Facebook page. We are going to be launching Wise Money Blog as well as Wise Money University here soon. You can get all those updates as well as updates about the show and everything. Just search at Wise Money Radio on Facebook or just search The Wise Money Show and you'll find us. All right, so as Josh said, everyone knows interest rates are still extremely low. And of course, there's all that drama there with the Fed. Will will the Fed raise rates? Will they keep rates unchanged? And we've talked at length about what you need to be doing in your financial life to capitalize on these low rates. But one of the ideas we've talked about before is make sure you refinance. If you haven't done so recently, you should do so. And that exact topic is what's going to take center stage today. We've had a lot of people asking us questions. Well, should I refinance again? I just did it a couple years ago. Do I need to do it again? We're going to be talking about that today. Yeah, this is a pretty timely topic. And, you know, the reason interest rates have taken center stage, as you said, Mike, um, it, it really has to do with, I would call this a moment of opportunity for a lot of people. Interest rates have dipped down low enough that maybe you need to reconsider whether or not you have the right mortgage in place. Interest rates are something that we're always paying pretty close attention to because it matters to investors. It also matters to borrowers as we're talking today. And I would even say indirectly, it can matter to home sellers. You know, if interest rates suddenly shot up, for example, that can really take a lot of the wind out of the sails of this hot real estate market as well. But over the past few years, mortgage rates, they've been bouncing around in a low range. And every once in a while, they dip down to a level that can make uh, a refinance make sense for people. If you go back to 2012, uh, at that time, 30-year mortgages were around 3.3%. And they swung back up during 2013. And uh, as I mentioned, 
real estate markets kind of uh, really cooled off at that time. They had been heating up. And since then, we've seen them dip around um, in that 4% range. But today, if if you were to go refinance, you could be down in the 3.5% range on a 30-year mortgage. It, it would be below 3% if you were doing a 15-year mortgage. So it's important for you to re-examine the mortgage you have right now and decide whether or not this makes sense. That's what we're going to be hitting today. So let's begin the discussion with the obvious question, when should you refinance? Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. A lot of times people say, all right, if the interest rate has lowered by a certain, if I can take a percentage point off my interest rate, I want to do that. I, I would encourage people to make the decision to refinance within the context of their financial plan. Because in a vacuum, it, it can always make sense, hey, if I can lower my interest rate and adjust my payment a little bit, I want to do it. But there are a lot more factors to consider than just your interest rate. Well, the one you just kind of glazed over real quick, though, I think is really important. So it's not time to refinance as soon as you see that rate drop a little bit below where yours is. The first cue is, is the current interest rate at least 1% below the interest rate you have right now? So that that's really the first thing to consider there. So, Absolutely. Okay. Um, all right. So more than just the interest rate, uh, there are sometimes other factors in your financial life that kind of suggest that you should consider refinancing. Let's talk about something other than the interest rate, why someone should be considering refinancing right now. You know, one of the, the reasons that I've been encouraging a lot of people to re-examine their mortgage and, and refinance is to drop from a 30-year mortgage down to a 15-year mortgage, for example. Uh, you know, I was actually just uh, doing a web conference with a client over in Chicago here recently. And, uh, you know, higher housing prices, bigger mortgages and everything. Um, we were looking at this 1% rule of thumb. Should we just refinance to a new 30-year mortgage and save some interest? But as we got into the numbers and we're really analyzing this, it looks like it's within reach for these folks who are they're two years into a 30-year mortgage. So they've got 28 years left. We could refinance them to a 15-year mortgage. And because the interest rate is going to drop so much, the payment for them will only go up about two or $300. So I asked them, you know, can you swing that in the budget? Which is an important question that Kevin was kind of alluding to. This has to be part of your overall financial plan, not just a decision you make in a vacuum. But for them to be able to drop from... 28 years left to 15 years left and have it only cost them about two or $300 a month was incredibly appealing to them. When I showed them that this was about 120 grand worth of interest savings for them, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they were doing cartwheels in their living room there. I'm not sure though. A lot of people are looking at that right now because rates are so low. It's a, it's a really quick way to leapfrog and save a whole bunch of years on your mortgage payment. That, that is one really appealing point here. Yeah, so think of that as a, a what would be called a rate and term refinance, where I'm gonna I'm gonna change my rate. I might change my term, but I'm going to change the structure to put myself in a better position. And the other reason why you might want to do a refinance is uh, to do a cash out refinance. If I wanted to get some money out, some of the equity out of my house, to possibly uh, do a, a home improvement. I've seen it to consolidate. Uh, car loans, credit cards, other types of things. If I was going to put myself in a better position on the other side of the refinance by backing some money 
out of my house uh, and do a uh, a cash out refinance. I have seen a lot of people switching from 30 to 15 year. I haven't seen as many people as we saw maybe 10 years ago doing a cash out refinance and looking and saying, okay, well, rates are low again. I can refinance and grab some of my equity and pay off a whole bunch of debt. People were doing that in waves back in 06. Well, and part it, of that was because real estate prices, right. just, at least on paper, kept on going up, up and away. And because of that, you know, people who hadn't really even been paying very long on their mortgage suddenly found themselves with hypothetical equity in their house. And, hey, why not just go grab some money out of the house, use it to pay down on some credit cards or wipe out some car loans or, or something like that. And essentially, you know, they were using it as a cash flow tool to free up some money. You know, it, it unfortunately gave the illusion that they had paid off their credit cards. Right. And life got so much easier. The problem is we've all seen so many cases where people did this type of debt consolidation and the net result to them was they freed up a bunch of cash flow they spent all that and then some, and before you know it, a few years later, they're right back in that same credit card debt and now have a bigger mortgage. Exactly. Just have less equity. So it's a risky position. As as I've talked to some folks about this, I've just said, you have to promise me if we're doing this, you are not racking up that credit card debt again. I don't care what happens. You've got to promise because you're way worse off with this strategy if that's what you do. If you pay off all the credit cards and then all of a sudden the balances come back. Yeah, if this is If this is used to deal with symptoms and you haven't addressed the problem, you will be much more miserable down the road than you are in your current position. So a cash out refinance, again, you want to be working with your certified financial planner to say, does this make sense? But I've seen even times where it made sense, depending on the equity in the home, where folks have taken out money and paid off a student loan that was a a legacy type of a deal and the rate on their student loan was at seven or eight percent and they couldn't refinance their student loan and so there's there are lots of different situations where it can make sense to consider yeah you took the words right out of my mouth got to be working with a financial planner guys there's a lot more reasons to unpack about why you should consider refinancing but there's also the other side too why you shouldn't and, and you should stay clear so we've got that and more coming up here on wise money with Corhorn financial group on 95.3 mnc This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin in the studio with me. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. Speaking of today's program, it's all about mortgage rates. They are back at, well, just about record lows. Should you consider refinancing? That's what we're talking about today. If you have a question or a comment or you disagree with anything we're talking about, go to wisemoneyradio.com. Give us a call at 574-222-222-2000. Is that too many twos? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Dial it and see. Let's, That's let's right. test That's it. right. Okay, so we kicked the show off talking about, well, why, why should you refinance? Okay, and we hit a few of those items. Number one is if you have a mortgage rate, well, in the process of refinancing, if you could lower your mortgage rate by at least 1%, you should consider it. 
Second reason, we're seeing a lot of people shift from a 30-year loan to a 15-year loan and save a whole bunch of money there. That's awesome. I love that idea. Third idea, I don't love as much, but if you've got other debt that you want to consolidate, uh, you could refinance your mortgage and and uh, cash out, refinance is what they call it, cash some of your equity out and pay that off. But there were a couple others that we didn't hit last time, a couple of other reasons. First, if your current mortgage is an adjustable rate mortgage, yeah, those scary things, everyone bad mouth back in 08. If you have an adjustable rate mortgage, you have got to refinance that. Yep. Lock that rate in at these historic lows. You've got to do it. Hopefully your credit score is in good enough shape and you've got enough equity to do it, but you've got to, you cannot have a variable rate right now. I've run into people who don't realize that they have an adjustable rate mortgage because the first three years or five years or seven years, it's a fixed rate. It and feels like it. It feels like a flat mortgage. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's low temporarily, but then it's going to start to adjust with market rates. And we assume that if we're here at nearly historic lows, then what direction do we have to go uh, but up? Yeah, but that's also confusing because if I had an adjustable rate mortgage, I would be listening to this show and saying, well, wait a minute, rates are at historic lows, so the adjustment really isn't going to affect me. But it will. You have to read the fine print. That's right. So this, if, if we're doing nothing today other than to encourage you to go and dust off the mortgage and say, hey, what, what do I have? What do I have in place? Do I have an adjustable rate mortgage? What was my, what was my credit score when I did this? Because you might look and, and um, be able to improve, because you've improved your credit score, improve your rate uh, even more. You betcha. Good suggestion. You know, one other idea is if you currently are paying private mortgage insurance, commonly known to as PMI, if you're paying that because when you first got your mortgage, you didn't have enough equity, which is usually 20%, if the loan, uh, if your mortgage loan is 80% or greater of the value of your house, then likely you're paying the bank just an extra service fee called PMI. You want to get rid of that. Usually to get rid of that, you have to apply and there's a fee involved in all of that. If, because rates are lower, if you can just refinance the whole thing and now you've got 20% equity or more, you can just get rid of that PMI, lower your interest rate, one foul swoop. So you got to consider that too. That's a very real possibility with uh, home prices yeah. really appreciating in value. The other thing that could have happened is maybe you've accumulated some cash and an extra couple thousand dollars that you put down on the mortgage, maybe that brings you within range to drop that private mortgage insurance. And here's why I don't like PMI. It doesn't get you anything. It's an extra cost. And it's not like, oh, well, I'm getting this extra insurance. No, that's not your insurance. That is the bank's insurance. You are just paying extra profit to the bank. Don't do that. Yeah. And one thing that you may want to do, if you get rid of the PMI, if you have, we've saved a couple thousand bucks, like Josh was talking about, put it down on your mortgage, you get rid of the PMI, you might want to look at your payment because you might be able to do something called reamortization where you change your monthly payment. Yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, so those are a, a bunch of reasons why you should consider. I'm anxious to get to the reasons why you shouldn't refinance. You should not refinance. However, in between, let's talk about the process. Say you heard that list of all the reasons why you should and you think, yeah, that, that fits. I need to go refinance my mortgage. What's the next step? You know, to me, the very first thing that someone should do uh, is work with an advisor to determine how to structure the new mortgage, if refinance even makes sense, as you said. 
But um, when you've determined, yeah, I'm going to drop from a 30-year to a 15-year, or I'm just going to refinance and start over with a new 30-year mortgage, when you've determined that that's the right route, now you start shopping for the best loan. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is where you kind of go to market, so to speak, and find the lender that's going to be the right fit for you that are giving the best deal. Should the should your financial advisor point you to that lender, or is there a different way to? Of course, we like using First State Bank. Uh, we've been mm-hmm. using them for a long time. They're a partner here on the show with us. Um, but should the, your financial advisor help? You shop? You know, I don't know what uh, your pattern is, but I bet it's 50-50 for me. Uh, Clients where I get them connected with a banker that they can work with and others that say, you know, I want to just work with my local bank, for example. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that has its merits. Um, I I was meeting with a client recently and interest rates had dipped down and we caught it. It just happened to be that we were meeting on the lowest point so far this summer and we immediately called up their banker and said, hey, we want to get the refinance locked. And they locked in the interest rate without even taking an application or anything. And they just scheduled for a few days later to go in and do the formalities of starting the, the refinance. So you have that advantage sometimes when you're working with a bank that's familiar to you and you're familiar to them. But if it makes no difference to you, uh, shopping around, finding the lowest interest rate, but also the lowest closing costs are another thing to be paying attention yeah, to. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit too, because not all closing costs are created e- equal, right? That's right. You know, um, if I was going to give people a range of acceptable closing costs, I've seen 1500 to 1700 is where I, I think most banks are falling right now. When you start creeping over a couple grand, um, it, that's starting to get a little salty. And I I want to draw a distinction between closing costs and the prepaid items that get rolled into the loan as well. In this, I'm just going to point back to why I like the idea of working with a financial advisor, because some of these upfront costs, you're not talking about just closing costs. There's a few different things. That's right. So, you know, if, if you are using an escrow account to pay your real estate taxes and your homeowner's insurance, you've got an extra payment attached to your monthly mortgage each, each month. And um, that is funding an account that's going to pay, pay the taxes for you. Well, they want that fully funded for the year to come. So there's a big chunk that kind of seeds the account, if you will. And th- the, the good news, though, is that if you are having this upfront funding of the escrow account, you're also going to get some of your old escrow account flushed out to you. So in many ways, that can be a wash. That's why I primarily focus more on the true closing costs, the money that the bank is charging you to do this loan. Yeah, the the prepaid things, Josh, that you're talking about. If you live in Indiana, if you're moving into a house, the house that you're moving into, the the current owners or tenants have been paying the property taxes. So they've they've paid for you for the time that you're moving in. So you've got to pay them back for the property taxes they've paid. And then if it's, if uh, depending on the cycle, it could be 15 to 25 days of interest that you have to pay as well. So it can look like the closing costs are a lot and you want to look at the, the HUD statement to s- separate those out and say, what are the actual costs versus um, what, what, am, what am I getting a benefit from? You know, the, the form that I would send you out to request from each of the banks that you're kind of getting a quote from is something known as a good faith estimate. This is where they're putting in writing, what would the interest rate be if you were to refinance right now? 
or lock in the interest rate right now, and then what are the closing costs going to be for their particular loan? You want to get at least a couple different good faith estimates from different banks so you have a comparison point and you need to get them on the same day so that um, you know interest rates can move from day to day. You want to make sure that you're you're doing a true apples for apples comparison. It's worth noting there are some banks out there that have no closing cost refinance and that really sounds appealing. You probably should consider one but that usually means that your interest rate that you're paying is a little bit higher. Maybe a 30-year loan isn't three and a half percent it's 3.75. A couple other things to just consider that you need to know about the process. Number one, it's they're gonna review your credit score and that credit score is gonna impact what your actual rate is. They'll need to appraise your house or do some other sort of market analysis to determine the value. And lastly, you're gonna have to get them a whole bunch of financial documents to prove that you're credit worthy and it's gonna take a couple months. So that can get a little exhausting. So. All right, guys, that's all unpacking why you should. In just a moment, we're going to be talking about why you shouldn't. And there's some pretty important things to be watchful of if you're considering refinancing. So that and more here on Wise Money with Four Horn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in the studio. Casey's running the board, doing awesome, my friend. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on today's show. Today's show so far has all been about mortgage rates, whether you should refinance, and it's really all been on the positive side. The reasons why you should, and if you do, what the process is like, well, we're going to tip the scales here and now talk about the negatives. Why shouldn't you refinance? Let's kick that off right now. You know, the first reason that comes to mind for me, uh, and this may seem obvious to a lot of people, but it's often overlooked, is you really need to pay attention to how long you're going to be in that house. You know, some people, they're, they're quick to refinance because they want to start saving some interest, but they're not stopping to consider the fact that, you know, uh, in my position at work, uh, we tend to move around pretty frequently. I've already been here for three years, and it seems like most people move after five. Yeah. You know, wh- why go to the, the effort of refinancing if you're not going to stay in the house long enough or you're not going to keep that mortgage long enough to truly benefit from it. I had a, I have a friend who's uh, also a client who uh, at the start of this year was dead set. He was moving. He had already told everyone, I'm, I'm moving out of town, I'm going to Pennsylvania. I'm out of here and made a whole bunch of big changes. And then he didn't. And mm. so he's refinancing and it's like, wow, if you were that set on going, are you now that convinced that you're going to stay? And if you're, if you're thinking of moving here within three to five years, may not be worth paying the closing costs. You may not make it back. Yeah, so you want to definitely calculate there's a crossover point yeah. where I'm better off uh, refinancing versus not refinancing. And the only, the only risk that I would say, if you say, hey, I'm going to be moving in the next year or two, I've 
worked with folks that have for the last 20 years have been moving in the next year or two and they're, <laughs> and they're still in the same house so with rates at historic lows what i would do just to if you wanted to make it really simple look at what your payment is today the before and look at what your payment would be in the after and and start to see okay if i could reduce my payment by 300 bucks a month maybe even though i could be gone in the next 12 to 18 months maybe it's worth it because I might not be gone. There's a trap there, though, that you need to be aware of because if all you're really doing is refinancing from a loan that currently has 27 years left on it to now one that's going to have 30 years, you may actually slow down some of the progress that you're making on that loan. But to your point, I mean, if you do something wise with that 300 that was freed up, moving you towards uh, being ready to move or... Uh, some other financial goal, then it, it can all make sense. I would throw out one other idea. We we touched on uh, kind of a, a new tool that's out there in our last segment. We referred to a no closing cost mortgage, and there's a few that are a few banks out there that will basically do a refinance for you, and they don't charge you all these upfront costs. Instead, they give you a slightly higher interest rate, which could still be much better than what you have right now. And so the, the break-even point that Kevin was referring to shortens up pretty rapidly. I mean, it's almost immediate yeah. because there are some costs uh, still involved with those prepayments and, and so on. But the, the point, though, is that you could lower your interest rate without uh, setting yourself up for regret uh, if you had incurred a bunch of closing costs and don't stay in the house very long. Yeah. Speaking, you just said prepayment, and it, that's on my list. Do not refinance into a loan that has a prepayment penalty. Yes, do not point. do that. So you got to read some of that fine print. No, this is a radio show. I have to tell you, read all that fine print. <laughs> make sure that the box is not checked where it says there is a prepayment penalty. Because you have the prepayment, don't just look at that and say, well, am I going to pay this thing off faster? Probably not. No, if you refinance, if you sell your house, that all is factored into prepayment. Yeah, and, and when we're talking about reading the fine print, another thing I would look at is, is my mortgage assumable? So the other day I was looking at my own mortgage, the mortgage I have on my house, and the mortgage I have on my house is not assumable. And the rate that I have is amazing. And so back in the day, people used to come and they would uh, find a house, and if they could assume a mortgage, think think in the 80s when rates were at 15%, if you could assume a mortgage at 7 or 8%, that made a ton of sense. And that was that, that mortgage was actually very valuable to the homeowner uh, as, a, as a tool in the selling process. So I would look and think, is it is it important for me for my mortgage to be assumable or not? But these are just some of the, the fun things to check into when you're getting your uh, mortgage refinanced. I want to go back to something that Josh was just talking about, about, well, it, you shouldn't refinance if you're going to be moving here in the next three to five years or something like that. And I'm going to tuck a positive into a negative here because you may have just heard that. And, and uh, another scenario you might be facing is, well, I've only got nine years left on my mortgage, so I, I'm not going to refinance. It's very possible. I did this with someone this week that if you're, if refinancing to a, 15-year loan lowers your interest rate enough and you continue to pay the higher amount that you've been paying on your nine-year mortgage, you might be able to pay it off. In this case, it was seven years. 
Yeah. That's so a good point. you might look and or hear some of these warnings and say, oh, I'm almost done paying my mortgage off. I shouldn't refinance and pay that cost. Work with a financial advisor. We've got some tools where we can help map that out for you and tell you. In this case, it saved them about 20 grand. Okay, so you, you brought up an example, though, of another reason to not refinance, and that is your loan balance is just too small to justify the high closing costs of refinancing. So in a way, this is kind of another example of how a no-closing cost loan could make sense for you. If you can find a bank that will refinance your little $50,000 mortgage and drop the interest rate for you without hitting you with a bunch of closing costs, maybe it can make sense. But for a lot of people, you really have to be paying attention to those closing costs. And another strategy that I've seen folks pursue with, I've got nine years left on my mortgage, is to, and, and their, their home equity line is much less than what their mortgage costs. And cash flow wise, they're ready to just put the wood to it. So they say, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay off this mortgage at that's at 5.5%. We're going to put it on our home equity line that's at at 3%. And we know we're taking a little bit of risk here, but we are going to pay this thing off and, and, and really uh, accelerate it. Interesting. Well, I have one last one here, and then I, I want to, we've been throwing a lot at you. I want to give just a moment to be able to recap some of these action items. But the last one, why you shouldn't refinance is if you don't have a lot of equity in your house. So that one seems kind of obvious, but if you don't have a lot of equity and you refinance, number one, you might not even be able to. They might charge you a higher rate, some sort of surcharge. But then lastly, if you do need to move or you need to transition away from your house, if you don't have much equity because you've just restretched out your payment for another 30 years, you could end up being underwater in your house, and we absolutely wouldn't want that. So, Okay, we've thrown a lot at you about why you should, why you shouldn't, and what the process is. Let's recap some of the action items here. You know, the first action item I would point out is First, you need to go check what your interest rate is. If you're listening today and you think, oh, my spouse is the one that kind of keeps track of that. Well, no, you need to know it too because your spouse might not realize how low interest rates have gotten. They may know where you're at right now, but they're not paying attention to current events. And so go check your interest rate. If you can drop your rate by 1% or more, then it, you may go to the next step of actually running some analysis. Work with your financial advisor to, to figure out how would you restructure this loan to improve your financial life dramatically. Cut down on the length of the loan, cut the amount of interest that you're paying, that sort of thing. And if you decide with your financial advisor that it makes sense to refinance, that's when you start shopping. And uh, as we already encourage you to do, go get a good faith estimate from your existing lender, maybe uh, some other competitive bids out there to decide Who's going to give you the best deal on that refinance? And uh, when you've narrowed that down, you got to get the interest rate locked. Get it locked quickly before interest rates start to move on you. And then they take it from there. They walk you through the process of what paperwork to pull and where you're going to be signing when the big closing day comes. And they'll ask for that paperwork up front. And then when it's time to sign, they're going to ask for that same paperwork <laughs> again just to make sure nothing's changed. Yeah, and the only thing I would add there, Josh, is that some banks, if interest rates do improve, they will improve your rate. So even though you've got it locked, and so I would, I would ask the question up front, if interest rates move in my favor, will you give me a better rate? And so, some will, point. some won't. Yeah, good, good stuff. 
We've got a question from Doug that we're going to be tackling next. It's a great one coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in the MNC studios. If you're just joining us, we've been talking all about whether you should or whether you shouldn't refinance. If you missed anything, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can check out all the previous episodes. That's a newly revamped website. Uh, you could also check out and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. So go ahead and do that. If you have a question, you can use that same website, wisemoneyradio.com, or give us a call, 574 222 2000 submit your question that way as well so we're just about to hit a question from doug uh it was good we've we get this question a lot we get this emotion a lot as well here's what doug said what should i do when it feels like my financial life has stagnated yeah that's a that's a good word you know it, it's, it's a four dollar of... word i think is what they call those <laughs> <laughs> no it really is a great question doug and um you know, I, I guess I would first point out that you are certainly not alone in feeling that way. I personally believe that everyone gets to a point in their financial life at at one time or another where they feel like, oh, I'm kind of in a rut, I'm not making a lot of progress in my financial life, and it, it feels like I've stagnated, as, as you said. I've been there. We've all been there. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it's due to things that are outside of your control. Maybe it was a, a job change that was kind of pushed upon you or an unexpected emergency. All of us experience plateaus with our investments at times. So whatever the cause, just know that this is a normal part of your financial life moving forward. But the key though, and I'm glad that you mentioned the emotional side of this, Mike, because uh, being able to throw off the discouragement when you run into this is really important, especially because so often the discouragement can come even if you really are making progress in your financial life. That's right. You, know, you could be moving forward. It just feels like you're not making much, much progress. And it's really easy to take what you're experiencing today and project it out into the future as if it's just going to keep on going like this indefinitely. Or some people uh, kind of project it into their past as well, and they start rewriting their own history, saying, oh, you know, I've always been struggling this way. I've just never made any kind of progress. And um, the, the reality is that those are emotions that could run wild on you. And we're always warning people against the emotional side of their finances. This is a really dangerous place to lose objectivity. If you're feeling like you're never going to break out of this financial rut that you're in, then you may stop trying. Or if you feel like, oh, I've just always been in this financial rut, then you might not be honest with yourself about what you've done to put yourself there. Yeah, Doug, I would think, what are the causes of your feelings? So you're feeling like you've stagnated. My observation is most people feel that they've stagnated because, well, one, of, one possibility is they really have stagnated, but 
Most folks haven't stagnated. It's just they're playing the compare game. And when they're looking at what they're doing compared to someone else, it is they, they're saying, well, look, I'm not making the kind of progress that this person is, or this person has it easier than me, or this person has it better. I met with uh, Greg yesterday in the office. He has this amazing life and does all this cool stuff. And I thought, man, I would like to have that guy's life. Um, and he's, he's a good friend and uh, a fellow Chippewa. But I, I think that is, it's dangerous to play that game and say, hey, if, if only I had Josh's life or Mike's life or their situation, I would, I would be better. And I certainly wouldn't be feeling like I've stagnated. You know, the, the better thing to compare yourself to would be your own history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that we help our clients with is to build a personal b- uh, balance sheet. Yep. Kind of a snapshot of where they're at right now, but we build it in a way that has history to it. It's, it's a tracking of their finances over time. So you can suddenly be more objective. You can look back and say, well, boy, here's where I was six years ago. Compare that to where I am now. Oh, you know, maybe there actually has been some growth that's happening there. Because running your financial life is a grind. It is a grind. And every month on the first, you're just trying to do the right thing with your money and end up with some money still in your pocket on the 31st. And you don't always feel like you're making progress when you're just grinding it out. That's why I love what you're referring to, Josh, that the tool, the objective tool that we use, someone's personal balance sheet, you can look back and say, I know it's felt like a grind, but hey, when you walk back to the back of the cruise ship, we can't even see land anymore. We have traveled so far. Look at this. Four years ago, your net worth was this. Now it's doubled because of all the things that you're doing financially. And that's very powerful. It's, it can be very instructive, but it can also tell you if you if you are looking at your track record and you're not making progress, you should be able to see why am I not making progress? Well, here it is. I took money out of my investments to do this. I borrowed against my 401k to do that. I did this, 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 and I'm not making any progress. Well, it's possible that you stagnated because you have stagnated and you're and you're not making good financial decisions. And that's where sometimes people say, how how do I get from not making good financial decisions to making good financial decisions. And that's where we say, have some sort of external stimulus, somebody helping you get that done. One of the ways, Josh, I already mentioned it. One of the ways that we're all going to feel at one time or another, several times actually throughout your life, that you're stagnating financially, not making progress, is when you're looking at your investments. Investments are cyclical. We don't like it. Well, we kind of do. We should. It just doesn't feel good. There are going to be pockets of times certainly months, sometimes years, where you're going to look at your investment balance and you will have lost money and not made any money. Uh, After 2008, people came in and said, well, I should never use stocks again because look what it did. I haven't made any money in over a decade. And now they're coming in saying, the only thing I should have is U.S. stocks because they're the only thing that makes (laughs) money. And so there are times when you're going to look at your investment line and say, "I'm I'm not going forward. In fact, I'm going backwards. What's going on here? That's part of the program, folks. You know, this may sound like spin for a moment here, but the encouragement that I would have for people who, you may be tempted at times where you're pumping money into your 401k and yet the balance isn't growing at all. And it feels like, oh, I'm just throwing this money down a drain is a phrase that people will throw out there. Turn to the details of your uh, retirement plan statement and pay attention to how many shares you are purchasing, how many units of those mutual funds you're accumulating. 
Because even though the value of your statement doesn't seem to be growing, you have more investments working for you when the next upswing does occur. You're going to feel it much in a much greater magnitude because you've been building during the rough times. That's a good point. You know, I, I have, we all have, the three of us have a pastor friend who loves to, uh, to hike the Appalachian Trail. Loves to. He actually wrote a book about it. And my favorite chapter in the book is called The Puds which are the pointless ups and downs. So <laughs> let's say someone has a goal of, of hiking the Appalachian Trail and they reach this point, I think it's in Pennsylvania. Uh, don't, get, don't get mad mm -hmm. at me if that's not true, but you're just going up, down, up, down. You're hiking spending all this energy, but you're not really making any progress. Same thing in your financial life. That is part of the journey. You are not going to accomplish your goal of hiking the entire Appalachian Trail and yet somehow miraculously avoid the PUDs. That's part of the program, folks. There are several other ways where you can feel stagnant. We're not going to be able to hit all of them. I feel we've got to get this topic on a full show at some point. But the next one I was thinking is if you're trying to pay off debt, it can really feel like, yeah, oh, gosh, I'm taking one step forward, two steps back. Well, every month feels the same way when you're making mortgage payments, right? And it, it feels like, oh, it hasn't really changed my life any, but I made that payment yet again. And you don't realize that over the course of a few years, oh no, actually your mortgage is melting and it melts much faster on a 15-year mortgage than a 30-year, but you don't see that encouragement until you take a, a broader view. There are some people, though, who legitimately are in a cycle of debt. They just keep on borrowing, pay it off, borrow again, pay it off. And that can be pretty overwhelming, and it can actually mess with your mind to the point where you no longer believe that you can live debt-free. Yeah. And that's one of the, the thinking patterns that we try to fight against and try to encourage you to break free from just by changing the way that you manage your cash flow. You've got to have a financial planner. And, and again, folks, this isn't self-serving. If you have a financial planner already, call them. Call them, get some help on this sort of stuff. If you don't have a planner, give one a call. Call a CFP you can call our office. We're happy to help you too. Uh, I assume we're going to be talking about those stagnating financial events more in an upcoming show. But all right, folks, if you missed anything, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can check out all the past episodes, submit questions, all that fun stuff. On behalf of Joshua Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.